Hey guys, Kathleen Carnally here. I am so excited to get back into the book of James together. Last week, I gave you a brief background of myself as well as an introduction to the book of James. We talked about who James was and how it is widely believed that he was the younger half-brother of Jesus. At the time he wrote this letter, he was a well-respected leader in Jerusalem and he had great influence. James also ended up becoming a martyr for Christ as well. You know, it's important to understand that all throughout history, following Jesus has not been so glamorous or easy. You truly had to pick up your cross and follow him because it meant your life. And I dare say, it still does. Currently, we may not be risking our lives as far as being stoned to death or being killed. But when we choose to follow Jesus, we are still called to pick up our cross and to die to the affections and lusts and cares of this life. And when we truly do this, we can know what it is to walk in the newness of his resurrection because he raises us up. And though we will face temptation and tribulation, we can find joy in the midst of it all. How do we do that? Well, let's go to God's word today. Are you ready? So go grab your Bible, a pencil, maybe a notebook. I got my uke right here and we will tune into God's word together. Fire refine us, sanctify us, Holy Spirit burn inside us, all for your just wash over us today and we'll give you all the glory and praise forever. In Jesus' name, amen. So open your Bibles to James chapter one and to keep good context, I'm gonna start with the first verse and then we're gonna go from there. So verse one, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. Now I know we went over this verse last week, but there is something I just wanna point out before we move on. Remember how I mentioned that James was a very prominent, educated, respected, and influential leader in Jerusalem? And also remember last week we talked about how often they would put their name at the beginning of a letter rather than at the end so that there would be good context. You would know who was actually writing and who they are. Well, the reason I bring this up is because if anyone had credentials, it was James. And instead of writing something like James, leader of the church of Jerusalem, he writes this, James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, we can learn so much from this. Our culture puts so much weight and emphasis on our achievements, our accomplishments, and credentials. I can't help but think of Paul after he listed the ways that he excelled, saying how he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a keeper of the law. And then he goes on to say in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, 
for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith. James gets this. And we see here how his identity wasn't in the things that he had done or was doing, but his identity and faith was in Christ. And I think this is a real important point to bring up because as we read on in James, we're going to see that he expresses to us the importance of works. He's the one that is quoted saying, faith without works is dead. And yet he fully realizes and understands that his righteousness is in Christ. And rather than glory in his own merit, he identifies as a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, But God forbid that I should glory, save, or accept in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. And may this be our portion as well. So now let's pick it up in James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Counting it all joy, well, that can sometimes be hard to do because it's not always our natural response. But I believe that's why he's telling us. I also want to point out here how this verse is in no way promoting for you to put yourself in a situation of temptation. In fact, Jesus taught us to pray to the Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And we can take note here how in this verse, James says, when ye fall into diverse temptations. Jesus says in both of the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So remember, we don't want to give our flesh an inch because guys, it will take a mile and we want to take the guidance of Jesus and avoid temptation whenever possible. But the reality is there will be times when we find ourselves in it. When there is temptation all around us, when we fall into temptation, like it says, yet I think it's important to understand that just because there is temptation doesn't mean you have to be tempted. James tells us in chapter one, verse 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So guys, we don't want to get to that point. And the great news is, is that even when we find ourselves in diverse temptations, like it says, even in that, God always makes a way for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. God always makes a way for us. He will show us a way out. He does not leave us alone. And there is so much joy in that. There is so much joy in overcoming. So when we find ourselves surrounded by temptation, we can either count it joy like it says here or instead let that temptation take us and we end up with shame. Shame and joy, two very, very different feelings. And God never meant for us to be in shame. Even when we find ourselves surrounded by temptation, we don't have to be tempted. Jesus displayed this for us when Satan came to try and tempt him in the wilderness. 
We do have the Spirit of God, and God does make a way out for us. And now this situation can be an opportunity for our faith to be tried, to be made more like Jesus, and in that we can find great joy. Verse 3 says, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So when your faith is tried, you go through your own personal tribulation. It's not easy. And if you've been in Christ for any amount of time, you know what I'm talking about. So why did he tell us to take joy in this? Because of what the trying of your faith produces. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, he says something very similar. Verse 6 says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. So guys, he understands that there is a heaviness involved, that it can be a weight, it can be difficult. The trying of your faith is tough. And yet he still starts that verse with greatly rejoice. And so what does this tell us? It tells us that it can be hard, difficult, and you cannot like it and still have joy in the process. Well, how is this even possible? How can my flesh feel undone and yet have joy? Well, it's because of the spirit. The flesh is weak. Sometimes it is what it is when it comes to the flesh. And we can't always control the way that it feels. But the Holy Spirit of God is the constant. It's the Holy Spirit of God that produces the joy. That is the fruit of the Spirit. And that's how we can have it in the midst of tribulation and trials. Not because we're happy and smiling, but because there is an internal joy that will never leave us or forsake us. And that is Christ and his Holy Spirit. He carries us through. It is supernatural. And to the world, it doesn't make sense. Verse 7 says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. This is the perspective that we've got to have. This is how we can have joy. Remember, Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. He set his eyes not on the circumstance at the moment, but on the promises of God. And now we too can endure with that same joy through trial and tribulation. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. We talked about how when our faith is tried, it is our own personal tribulation. Do you see this connection right here? How tribulation works patience. And then over in James chapter one, verse three, the trying of your faith worketh patience. So why is patience so important? Why is it something that we should rejoice over that we're going to receive it through these trials, through these tribulations? Well, we see here in verse four, But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Patience does something powerful in us. It brings us to a place of not wanting, of not needing the things that this world throws at us. A contentment that really passes all understanding. And when patience does this work in us, then how much less the next time are we going to be tempted? 
If we go back to Romans chapter 5, where we just were, we'll see how this patience is worked out in us. Look here in verse 3. And knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Wow, remember how we talked about joy or shame? Well, we see here how when we choose joy and let patience have its perfect work and brings us to this kind of hope, it says we are made not ashamed. And how is this all accomplished? Well, like it says here, it's by the love of God being shed abroad in our hearts and by the power of the Holy Ghost. Though the flesh is weak, the spirit is willing. And we know patience is fruit of the Holy Ghost and it is worked in us by the trying of our faith. We need this kind of patience. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36 says, For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. When you're in the midst of a trial or tribulation, have you ever said, God, I need more patience? Well, that's exactly what he's doing in the midst of the trial, is how he works patience in us. Make no mistake. God will always make a way. And when we choose joy through the trying of our faith, patience is produced, which brings experience, hope, and the will of God fulfilled in our lives. So may we not respond out of the flesh, but the power of the Holy Spirit. And instead of quench joy, count it all joy and let patience have her perfect work. I love you guys so much. I will see you next week right here, same time, same place. I'll have my uke and study, and we will tune in to God's Word together.